Welcome to the Moments That Matter podcast. I am your host, Laura Escamilla, and today I will not have a co-host, but a guest. We are going to have a chat with my husband, Isaac, who is our family's resident tech guru. I'm sure everyone knows someone who is great with technology, but when I say he's a guru for us, I'm not exaggerating. And he has the credentials too. Isaac worked at Gateway Computers. He worked at Best Buy's Geek Squad. He has a bachelor's in computer information systems, a master's in instructional technology. He's worked as a computer tech, a network analyst, instructional technologist, and now a database administrator. And there is rarely a day he isn't called about a tech-related question. This time of year, the questions increase, and they're usually from our friends, other parents, and everyone needs help with their children and their tech issues. This goes on all year long because like me, for most people, technology is the unknown. When he speaks to me about technology, I almost feel like he's speaking a different language. When our kids have tech-related issues, they know not to call me. So with that, let's start our talk. We're going to go over the most common questions he gets. I think this is going to be really helpful for not just our college kids, but our parents that have children in high school as they prepare for college, even though we're already about a week into some college. You get questions all year long. So first, what computer do you recommend for my child in college? Hi, welcome audience out there listening. And thank you for the question. You're right. I do get a lot of questions related to technology and that's great. I don't mind answering them at all. So the question is, what do I recommend for college? Okay. Let me give you a little anecdote about our children. When they were in high school, they initially had PCs, laptops. I think one was a gateway because I used to work there. And the other one was, I think, an Acer. Skylar started high school first and throughout her freshman year, continuously had problems with her laptop over and over and over again. As a result, we ended up spending a little bit of money and buying her Mac, MacBook mm -hmm. Air. It's a 2013, I believe, MacBook Air. I'll have you know that MacBook Air is still in production. It, we gave it to my mother, who uses it for HEB orders and things of that nature, and still chugging along. So throughout her high school career, she never asked me once for any sort of technical support related to her Mac. Now, for Lucas, preemptively, we... Bought him a Mac also to avoid any questions and to avoid any entanglements technology related because we answer questions for everybody else. And he did great. And throughout high school, he had a great experience with his Mac. He never had any issues and never came to me for a single technical question. We didn't actually buy that for him until his sophomore year, if I recall. But that was when COVID hit. And that's when technology and the need for that was even greater. And that was our go-to. We were not going to get anything else because you knew that he wouldn't have issues with that. Correct. Because we were doing distance learning and all that at the time. So it was imperative that he had something that was functional completely all the time. Now, that doesn't mean that he did incredibly well in his classes because of the Mac. A great computer doesn't necessarily equate great grades. So right. you have to use the tool and apply yourself. Right. Just a little caveat out there. But I will tell you this. Now that he's in college, he's a student at Baylor in the business school. And I did not expect this up front. So for a semester... Baylor Business School, he shows up with his Mac and they said, okay, you can run these applications on your Mac, but you're required to submit them in a PC format. So there's a couple of different ways to do that. And his laptop at the time was capable of doing so. And we tried it and it did not work well. The software for emulating a PC on his Mac worked well, but a bunch of other small issues like storage became a problem. And what we decided to do is we decided to buy him an affordable PC laptop, Windows Dell from Best Buy. We ordered it for him. 
And he went and picked it up at that Waco Best Buy and he used it for that one class Mm -hmm. and we never heard from him again. Right. So the class and the curriculum dictated the need for a PC. Which is a lot of what happens when you get calls is that our friends send their children off to college with one thing and then school starts and they start having issues with that one thing or they need something else and they don't know what else to buy or what the right thing to do is, which it happened to us even as experienced technical guru. We sent him with the a brand new Mac ready for college because Skylar didn't have any issues with her Mac through college. She did not. No. But she was not a business major. And we've talked to other parents who have business majors, and this seems to be the major that has major issues and that they need to switch. They need a, a PC to run. I agree. Excel and those types of things. That that was the program. And I, I think thought. a lot of it has to do with the business world. The business world is still very overwhelmingly PC-based, mm-hmm. banks are PC-based. My organization, the school district I work for, is Chromebook and PC-based, but all of the teachers and administration and business office, we all operate on PCs and we use Active Directory and it's it's a PC world. So they're providing them with curriculum and Excel formulas and statistical analysis on PC-based applications. So if it's a business program that your student is getting into, chances are at some point they're going to require a PC. Now, I'm not saying that you can do it on a Mac. You absolutely can. But sometimes things are difficult for our students when they're off to college. We want to eliminate some of those barriers and and some of that burden from their plate. But when you say we're a PC world, we're also a Mac world because the majority of People in this world have iPhones, and that's like an extension, right? A Mac is an extension from Absolutely. one's iPhone. Absolutely. Which so, I think that generation, a younger generation, they they like to use Macs. They do. They really do. And in full disclosure, I'm, I'm operating on a Mac right now, and I carry an iPhone, and I've been carrying an iPhone for years and years because for my work and my job, I need everything to work all the time. And I have had the best luck with a Mac. And if you're a Mac user or an Apple user, you're familiar with the ecosystem from the iPhone to the iPad to the AirPods to the Mac. It's a seamless experience. It's by design and it's wonderful Mm -hmm. and it is useful. But again, for college, for what you do, your student and your student's curriculum will dictate exactly what you're going to need. I will tell you this. We bought both of our children very recently the new MacBook Airs with the M2 chip. It is a very powerful machine around $1,000, $1,100. Even if you get the M1 Mac, it is an extremely powerful machine. It is a great value. So if you can use a Mac in your life and you have a student that's going to go off to college, I would recommend something like that. That's what we bought and that's what you would recommend leaving to college. That would be your first choice. First choice, I would buy them an M2 or an M1 Mac. Even our parents who have kids in high school right now who are just getting that senior year, starting applications, they need their own I would do the laptop same. if they don't have it or they start to have problems. If they have to buy something new, go with a Mac if you're going to spend money. Right. Now, we do have an anecdote from a dear friend of ours whose son attends Texas Tech University. And at Texas Tech, he is in the engineering program, I believe, or architecture. And those are very CAD heavy applications that he's using. And as a freshman, he is creating these giant files to run on these applications. He's designing cities, parks. They're enormous. So enormous that to upload them to a cloud storage would not be cost effective. He needed some external storage. He needed great storage on that PC and he needed a PC. That is specifically what his curriculum called for. So 
we ended up buying him a gaming laptop. And I know that at first glance, a parent would look at a gaming laptop for a student in college and think, this is a waste. There's no way I'm going to buy you a gaming laptop. Why would you want that? Well, a gaming laptop or a gaming PC, it has the horsepower and it has the capability to run these extraordinary applications, including games. Games are the most intensive. But it was that's a bonus. It's a bonus, right? That's not (laughs) the main purpose for you buying it for your child. But again, it's a gaming PC and a gaming PC will have the capability to run these massive applications. Caveat, they do run very hot. So you have to kind of take care of where you keep them and make sure that you take care of them, make sure they can breathe by nature. So that would be a reason you wouldn't just recommend a gaming PC if it wasn't called for as part of their curriculum because most of our kids keep their laptops in their backpack or just carry them around and they're not really... They're unruly. They're usually a lot larger. They usually have LED lights and they're muscle cars of laptops Mm -hmm. and they're extraordinary, but they are expensive and you do have to take some care with them. In fact, same student that we're discussing right now, he has had to purchase a second gaming laptop because that first one just ran so hot and so much during his freshman year that on his sophomore year, he's buying another laptop already. So Mm -hmm. those are things to consider. I'm not saying that that's going to be the case for your Alienware or for your gaming laptop, but that is my experience. And those are the people that I help. And and that is something that I do know personally and firsthand. Right. Again, Mac or PC, you go with Mac unless the program specifically calls for different. What about if they have issues with it? So they have a Mac and something goes wrong very recently. You were asked to look over two Macs, one of them that had ranch that had been spilled on it on the keyboards and it wasn't working anymore. And one of them that the power supply wasn't working anymore, if I recall correctly. Right. One with liquid damage and the other one I would also consider liquid damage for Mm -hmm. ranch sauce on the keyboard. However, one of them had Apple Care. So Apple Care that they had coverage for had accidental damage. So all they had to do was pay the deductible which is going to be around $300, but a lot less expensive than another $1,000, definitely. And that student's going to be ready to go, and, and, the, and that's going to be replaced for them, and they're going to be okay. If you're in a college town that has an Apple store, you can make an appointment, and they can take care of you there. If you happen to be in a college town that's not near an Apple store, we are not near an Apple store here. Uh, they usually make other accommodations where they'll send you a box, and you'll pack it up, and you'll send it away. But there is a solution for you if you have Apple Care Now, it can be kind of expensive probably around the $300 that you're going to pay for the deductible. But it does offer technical support. They do offer all kinds of little things and niceties by having Apple Care. By going to an Apple store, they can help you out in person if you do have Apple Care. So that is something to consider, especially if you don't have someone in your life or in your family or a friend that can offer or that kind husband. of... Right. That kind of, of course, that kind of support over the phone or in person to help you out. So when you're asked, do you fix it or do you get a new computer? At what point when you start getting to the $600 range, you have to start saying, is this worth fixing or do we just go for the $1,000 and get a brand new computer? I have for many years as my computers have aged, I've tried to upgrade them as far along the process as I possibly can. I have upgraded the processor. I've upgraded the RAM, upgraded upgraded the storage, and I've gotten a few years out of it. Now, when I'm talking about upgrading, let's say it was a $1,500 PC and I spend, I don't know, about four or $500 on additional parts. That's still less expensive than a full-blown PC. 
But you're talking about a desktop. I'm talking about a desktop. Right. Laptops, which you're probably going to have for your student in college, are going to be a little less upgradable. You're probably going to be able to upgrade the RAM, maybe a little bit of the storage. But most of us don't know how to do that. Most people don't know how to do that. And you might need to get some help and have to pay for that cost. Right. So again, you purchasing the RAM and purchasing the installation, it will probably be less expensive than purchasing a whole new machine outright. But you have to consider the age of the PC. I always tell people that you should look at your PC or your phone in dog years. Now, phones are a little different because I know a lot of people who replace their phone year after year, maybe every other year. But when you're talking about your PC, they can age pretty quickly. And this sounds very biased, but in my experience over the past decade of using a Mac and a PC, a Mac for my personal life, PC for my professional life, my PCs generally don't age very well. So oftentimes when it's time for an upgrade, either it's not possible or it's not very cost effective to do that because for a little bit of less money or maybe the same money, I can just get a brand new PC. Unlike the scenario you were just discussing that our friends are going to get their son a, a whole other computer because it was more cost effective than trying to figure out what was going on with the original one right. and trying to fix it. Just go get another one. That's not cheap, but fixing it's not cheap either. But you rather know you're starting off with a brand new item right. and not continue to have issues. Right. Secondly, this particular student that we're discussing is at Texas Tech. I don't know if they have an Apple store out there. I want to say probably not, but I could be wrong. And you're so far away from help and you're far away from the friends and family that can help you with these technology issues. Mm -hmm. I would strongly recommend putting yourself in the absolute best position by having the most powerful, the newest and strongest hardware that you can afford. Let's go to the next issue that we had, printers. Printers in college. Well, printers in college, I know that space in dorms and even in apartments all over the college campuses is limited. So you may not have a lot of room to put a printer in there. And a lot of universities and, and all the universities that I went to, because I went to a bunch of schools and I've done a lot of things. Mm -hmm. we That's for another podcast. Oh, we always had this giant set of printers available to us. And a lot of it's included in the price of your tuition. You get an X amount of prints right off the bat or, mm -hmm. or it's very affordable to print something out. I did not send either one of our children to college with a printer and they both came out just fine. I never got the phone call or the text that said I need to print this in the middle of the night. There was always some building or resource, even back in the 90s when I needed to print something and I didn't have a printer in my apartment in Austin. I didn't go to Texas. I was a Southwest Texas student. I would take a student ID from someone, a friend of mine that closely resembled me, and I'd swipe and I'd get in there and I'd print my things with no issue. And I was out the door. It was pretty easy, even in the middle of the night, to print something at the university level. So I, I don't necessarily think you need to take your own printer with you. I think the university resources are abundant and there's going to be a solution for you on campus. And we have this issue. We've had this issue this year. Headphones, Phones. noise canceling headphones Yes. over the ear, in the ear, wireless. I feel like we've been through every kind of headphone that exists. I agree. So I have seen the evolution of our own children go from the wired white Apple AirPods, AirPods or Pods, whatever they call them, all the way to the first gen AirPods, all the way to AirPods Pro. And they've had Beats and they've had wireless Beats and they've grown up and graduated to some type of JBL. And I've, I've seen it all. I've seen mm -hmm. a lot of things. Now, it all depends on your use case. I like having an AirPod, one in my ear, because it can read my text messages to me as I'm walking around. 
and keeps my hands free. I like the convenience of it. I like that I can keep them in my pocket and I have them with me all the time and I can use them for all kinds of things. I appreciate over-the-ear or on-ear headphones for the fidelity of the sound. If sound fidelity is important to you, if you're a music major and it's related to what you're doing, you really need to get the most out of the sound. And I would recommend a wired set. Okay. But for all intents and purposes, for most students, I don't think they really stray far away from AirPods or some any type of... Well, how about like noise canceling so they can study if they're in the library and they're surrounded by people and they just want to shut out the world. Right. I appreciate the ability to do that, but I also see how dangerous that can be walking around a college campus as people are coming and going and sometimes cars are moving around and we tend to isolate ourselves in our own little personal bubble listening to our music with the noise canceling on mm -hmm. and that becomes a little bit of a danger. You don't know who's around you, what your surroundings are. I, I would say in college, I think it's more important to be cognizant of your surroundings. And if you do need something like noise canceling, then you reserve that maybe for sitting in the library or sitting in your apartment or at home. But not walking around. Not walking around. I, I would not recommend that. No, I've had some personal close calls. Okay. So how about storage issues? As you mentioned before, and I know we had this issue with our son. Yes. Initially trying to find a storage solution. What is your recommendation there? What's the quickest... Well, I, I think it's a multi-layered approach for your storage issues. I do think you should probably have some sort of external solid state storage. But very recently, we did purchase a SanDisk external drive for our son. And those SanDisk drives at this moment... SanDisk is a brand. It's a brand. At okay. this moment in time, are experiencing issues where you could lose your data. So when I say external data, that I mean use that as a way to move your data around, not to keep it permanently. So what I told our son, who still has one of those drives... If you're going to transfer large files from one device to another, you can use that device, that external storage, and move the data from one to another, but don't expect it to be there in the long term. If you want a more permanent solution, and I discussed this with some friends of mine whose son was at college, who was having PC issues, and we thought we might have lost the hard drive. I asked them if they had something like a Google Drive or a Microsoft OneDrive or Dropbox or any sort of online storage. Mm -hmm. And they said no, but maybe they did. Maybe perhaps that student had something provided by the university because I know that Baylor University uses Box. Mm -hmm. So they're provided a certain amount of storage. I strongly encourage every student to upload anything of importance related to their academics to cloud storage. You will never be able to compete with a data center and all the fail-safes. Also, if you happen to leave campus, you come home or you're on a trip and you require something from your academia to submit or to share with somebody, it's always going to be accessible to you. So for any students out there, high school or college, I strongly recommend, even if you have to pay a small, and they're very small dollar amounts, I think we pay probably less than $10 for an additional storage on our Google Drives. And, it, and it's gone a long way. It, mm -hmm. And it helped me very much in graduate school. And it's helped me even today. Um, right. But to be fair, you've always recommended that for us in our lives personally, because I have a OneDrive and a Dropbox and, and I do pay a small fee. I think it's like $5.99 or something a month, but to keep our work stuff. And that's how I move around work. If I need to access something at home, if something comes up over the weekend or in the evening and I need to access my files, 
that's how I do it because I get onto my OneDrive and I access that from home. Right. And you've always recommended that a backup for that, not to just rely on your computer, not to save our stuff on our computers. Right. The expectations are very different in the professional world. And in real life, people kind of expect you to be able to access your data just about anywhere you are. You can't say like, well, I have those files in the office. I'm sorry, I can't help you. I don't think those expectations are what they used to be. I think mm -hmm. people believe that you, you have probably access. have access to any of your data anywhere you go. And I, I think because it's a reality, because we can do that, because we can do that, I think that it would be useful for anyone who can afford a little bit of cloud storage. Again, you may have some included in your tuition for your university. So I strongly encourage using it. Just to hammer the point home, if you have an external hard drive or if you have a USB drive that you're using for your studies or academics, consider that something in between devices, to just to move it around, do not rely on it. I have tried to help so many people over the years that come to me with their dead hard drives or their dead USB drives. And they say, this is the only place I have these images or this file or my dissertation or something really important. And it didn't exist anywhere else. And it breaks my heart when I say that I cannot help. I do my best many times. I cannot help. Right. So that's just a tool to move it around. Yes. It's not supposed to be the end-all be-all of your storage. No. Right. Okay. So let's go with security. This has been a big deal for us, and you've always handled this for us with air tags and our cameras and that kind of thing. So when we're talking about a college student, what are your recommendations there? So I use around this house. Wise cameras. They're very inexpensive. They're very affordable. And they have cloud storage. And when Skylar was in an apartment when she graduated from school in Waco, she had one that faced outside her window and it faced the front door. And she gave us access to it. So when she arrived at home and somebody wasn't around to see her enter her apartment, we could view that camera. We could see her walk into her apartment. Now, we couldn't see inside her apartment. And sometimes she'd use that camera as a doggy sitter for her dog mm -hmm. and i think that's incredibly useful so i would strongly recommend a wi-fi camera if you're living in an apartment or you're living in a house or something like that now dorms are a little bit different the wi-fi is very restricted in dorms and universities and generally those type of devices and the way that you connect them and the way that you can interact with them is not allowed on campus and there's Lots of privacy issues because you probably have a roommate and you probably shouldn't be looking down the hallway and all kinds of things. So they usually are restricted at the university level mm -hmm. if you're a first year student. But beyond that, you're probably going to move to an apartment. I would recommend some sort of video doorbell. There's some great ones out there. Ring was the original one, but we got one from Wise that works very well. We also got one from Blink that works incredibly well in Skylar's current apartment. And they all offer 1080p or higher and great resolution so you can see when packages right. arrive. Lucas moving into a house his second year with friends, we just ordered off Amazon the Wise doorbell camera and they sell a little case where it attaches to the door and he doesn't have to mess with the wiring or any of the things like you originally did with the ring. Like it's easy, wireless and That's just correct. put it in, it's secure and they yes. can't take the camera. There's a, it's a very secure, no drill solution. Right. Right. It's a little housing that Amazon sells along with those. It's a generic, not generic, actually, it's universal, I should say, mm -hmm. for a Wise camera or a Blink camera or a Ring right. camera. You can just cut the styrofoam on the inside and just put it in there. So if you have a student living off campus where security is an issue yes. and not just security that they're getting home, but packages being left and those Definitely. types of things or who's outside. If you're inside your apartment, you don't want to answer door to a stranger 
that's Definitely very important. And yeah, and they will offer generally a wider view to the left and the right of any individual right outside the door. I strongly recommend a doorbell camera and maybe one or two indoor Wi-Fi cameras. They're going to run you anywhere between 20, 30. They're often on sale, maybe even 50 bucks. They're, they're not very expensive and they're easy to set up. Excellent. And air tags, backpacks. You've had us put tags on our dogs, our keys, <laughs> our bags. We have air tags on our dogs' collars. We have air tags in our backpacks. And at some point I had an air tag in my vehicle just in case. Not that I anticipate. And our keys. And our keys. I think most importantly, our keys. So air tags work really well. You have to replace the batteries pretty often, especially in a pet. I'm not sure why. Maybe because they set them off. But I like the way they work. You go to the Find My app in your iPhone. Again, part of the Apple ecosystem. If you're a Samsung user, I believe there's an app for air tags so you can see who the AirTag belongs to, but I don't know if you can do anything more than that on a Samsung okay. or Android. But there's also alternatives. There's Tile, which came before Apple AirTags, and the Tile network can detect other tiles. So if there's a tile out there on your ladder or your bike or your car, you will be able to track it so long as it's in proximity of other Tile users. I think the benefit that Apple has is that there is a huge install base of Apple iPhones. So whenever in our AirTag, is in proximity with an iPhone via Bluetooth, it detects it and it's, very, it's a little easier to find the devices you're looking for. Now, thankfully, I have not had to use it to track anything of any importance. I haven't lost anything with an AirTag mm. and I've never really had to use it. But I do occasionally open up my Find My app on my phone and track my backpack or Riley or the little things that I have mm -hmm. an AirTag on. Riley being our dog. Riley's our dog. Okay, so we covered security. I've read parents ask questions online, and I know is an issue for Skylar is an iPad. Yes. She had a Mac, but she also wanted an iPad and the little pen. What is the use case for that, for having both now that we're on the Apple? It is mm -hmm. definitely lightweight, and I have an iPad, full disclosure. I also have a newer iPad. I have an iPad Air. And I bought it for very similar reasons. I wanted to take it with me as opposed to taking my entire Mac or PC and take notes without using the Apple Pencil. And you can get an entry-level uh, iPad for usually around 350 or less, sometimes 299 that will take advantage of the first-generation pencil, not the second-generation mm -hmm. pencil that I have. If you're an art major or if you take notes or if you need to draw for college or anything like that, you're probably going to want, and you probably already have or know about a good iPad with Apple Pencil 2 capabilities. Those generally are a little more expensive to take notes on. Now, it really depends on how quickly you can take notes and how you take notes. So if you can use your pencil and draw really quickly and write your notes out really quickly on an iPad, that's perfect. That's, and you can translate that to text and then you mm -hmm. search for it later. But if you type faster than you write, and many students do, then maybe just taking your laptop is going to be a better solution for you. So I think if I recall correctly, the biggest issue is that a lot of the books now are digital only. Yes. And she wanted to have her book, essentially, right. which right. would be on an iPad yes. because there's no physical book. Correct. And have her laptop open yes. to take notes in right. class. And that was how we got through that because she didn't want to switch screens and that type of thing. And I 100% support that. And I think because even in grad school, I had, I think all of my books were digital copies. And I didn't have an iPad at the time. I had an older iPad. I used it on a Kindle. And they were purchased through the Kindle store. And I had my textbook on my left. And I had my Mac on the right. Now, if you have an iPad and a Mac, now you can seamlessly transfer your cursor between the two. And it, they kind of behave as one unit, mm -hmm. which is amazing. 
But if you don't have a Mac, you can still get a lot of use out of, out of an iPad. I think that's going to be still your best reader and the best value. And if you don't have a Mac and you get an iPad, you can get the little keyboard and type on it just like you would. You can. You can. Uh, Again, the caveat there is that you will increase the cost very, very quickly. For example, an entry-level iPad, let's say, is $350. And then if you get an off-brand case, you can probably spend $100 or less. But if you get the Apple-branded one, that's another couple hundred bucks. So now you get $550, which is probably a little more than an entry-level PC. And then it just kind of starts to add. You haven't bought a pencil yet. Apple Pencil is still another $100. So you can add to that price pretty, pretty quickly. To where you just should just get the Mac. Right. So I think it's a great luxury in many instances to build up your system that way. But if you can get away with just getting an iPad with a decent case that's going to protect it from moisture and use that as a textbook replacement so you don't have to carry these giant textbooks around. And I know many students don't do that anyway. I think most people rent their textbooks digitally with a little more benefit. Okay. And you can reuse it. Over. Definitely. Is there anything I missed on our tech questions for college students? I don't think you did. And maybe if we get some feedback, we can do a part two. If you have any questions out there, direct them towards us and then we'll answer them for you. Yeah. But don't call him on his cell on the weekends. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time and for sitting here as a guest instead of as my producer behind the camera over there. It's been great. I hope I've helped somebody. Love you. Love you.